There are opportunities in moments like this where we get an opportunity to wrap ourselves around a particular song and let it, let us, let it take us to a place we never know we can go, a place where we shout it, where we lose our voices in the midst of our worship. <clears throat> so I'm grateful for moments like that because it reminds me of God's overwhelming mercy and love for me. Amen? And it is tradition, the first Sunday of every month is our communion, and my hope is that throughout this talk, I will lead you to it. Communion is a tradition that we celebrate until the Lord returns. He reminds us that it's an opportunity for believers to sit at his table and be fed by his meal. This is not a physical meal, although we partake in the elements. We also realize that it's an opportunity for us, for those who do not know Christ, you have an opportunity to sit at this table today, so I encourage you as you're sitting here today that allow the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to kind of minister to you. You're not here by coincidence. You're here because God wants to speak into your life, and slowly but surely, God has squeezed you. Your circumstances have drawn you to a place where you decided this morning, um, at least you think you decided, I want to go to church. <laughs> so I'm grateful that you're all here. But it's also an opportunity for us as believers to try to get it right. There, there are too many unbelieving believers. And it's important for us to understand that being a believer looks some way. We act a particular way. We are walking in a particular way. And I'm exhausted by hearing people telling me they're not perfect. I know that. But neither am I, by the way. I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I'm anywhere near that. But I know, like Paul says, I keep pressing forward. I, I haven't obtained it yet. I'm just going to keep going forward. If I'm going to fall, I want to fall forward. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk to you a little bit about today. I'm, I'm going to give you uh, the very beginning of it. But there was a time before GPS. Anybody remember that time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a few people, right? You had to travel. You had to pick up maps. Right? The maps, you had to fold them out and all that stuff, right? I mean, I just dated myself, but you had a map in the flap of your door of the car or in the glove compartment. If you're crazy enough, you got a whole almanac, right? I don't know how you manage to drive with that. And oftentimes, what happened is that you wind up having a co-pilot with you that didn't read maps. So you had to drive and read the map at the same time. Maps are there to guide us, to give us direction. And, I, and oftentimes, if you don't have a map, what happens is you get lost. You get lost because it's very, you know, you can't remember everything. Sometimes you try to remember things by road, and you say, oh, I made a left here, I got on here, I got on there. And then all of a sudden, you get thrown for a loop, and the road is closed. And you wonder, okay, I, I've traveled this way all along, now which way do I go? A map is there to direct us, to instruct us in the way we should go. So it is with the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, then what's going to happen is when you find yourself at those moments where you have to get somewhere or do something, you're not going to have that map to guide you, and you're going to get lost. So I want to give you the big idea ahead of time so you begin to understand where we're going. And it's basically this. When you go astray, obey. Okay? Let's say that together. Ready? When we go astray, obey. It's important for you to understand that God already knows that you will go astray. 
So, so, so it's not new for us. It's not something new. At least it's not new for God that there's going to be moments where we put down his word, we put down his roadmap, and we're going to find ourselves in a position where we have to decide what we got to do, where we got to go, and we won't know what to do or where we got to go because we've put down the word of God. The story I'm about to enter into talks about this, and it's found in um, Second Chronicles, and we're going to stand to read it, so I want everybody to stand as we read. It's a very short script, but I want to read it the way we just sang the song. Amen? I want us to be able to shout it out. So at the count of three, let's all read this. Ready? One, two, three. Short scripture, but I want to be able to give you the background of it so you fully understand what was going on here. Josiah became king at eight years old because his father, who was the king before him, was an evil king, and he was assassinated by his own people. That's rough when your own people don't love you enough and they take you out. But at eight years old, he became king, and the power of this is that Whenever there's a name placed in scripture, you better believe it's important. The Chronicles talk about the acts of the kings, but the kings actually, the book of Kings, first and second, tell you about the kings. And they mention in Kings, uh, 2 Kings chapter 22, it mentions a name by the name of Jedidah, which happened to be his mother. His father was an evil king, but his mother was a God-fearing woman. And because of that, in fact, her name means darling of God. And because of that, he was sheltered from the evilness of his father. And what began to happen as eight years old, as he walked into his role as king, his mother was alongside him. His mother made sure that he was protected, but she always whispered in his ear what his ancestors knew about God. There's a power to constantly keeping the word of God in front of you. The scripture here at the very end is so powerful to me because I've heard this before. It says it did not turn away from doing what was right. In other versions of scripture, it says that he was pleasing unto God because of the things that he began to do. At 16 years old, he began to seek after God. And in seeking after God, God provoked him to begin to deal with some of the things that had gone on in, 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 his, in his country for so long. His country had strayed from what God had told them to do. And because they had strayed from what they told them to do, they entered into this deep idolatry. They had places where they worshiped their idols. They sacrificed to their idols. They immersed themselves in celebration of idols. Now, you have to understand that the scriptures tell us that God is one, and we should not worship any other God. So he goes on to say this, and the first time that you actually see this, I want to take you to Deuteronomy really quick. It's not going to be on the screen, but it's a very powerful thing because it says that Israel's disobedience was predicted. And it's read like this because it was a time of Moses transitioning to Joshua, and he says this, the Lord said to Moses, you're about to die and join your ancestors. And after you are gone, these people 
will begin to worship foreign gods. The gods of the land that they are going, they will abandon me and break the covenant I have made with them. It says, then my anger will blaze forth against them. I will abandon them, hiding my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Terrible trouble will come to them. These disasters have come because God is no longer among us. At that time, I will hide my face from them to account for all the sins they have committed by worshiping idols. Fast forward again to Deuteronomy chapter 32. won't be on the screen, but I need to give you the background so you understand where we're going with this. So Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and recited all the words of this song to the people. And when Moses had finished reciting these words to Israel, he added this. Take to heart all the words I have given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children, so they will obey every word of this law. These instructions are not mere words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you're crossing Jordan Ritter to occupy. When he became king, he had realized that prior to that, there were some things that were going on. He experienced his father's evilness and the king before that. It's amazing when you study the kings because it's kind of crazy. Every single king, when they introduce him in the scriptures, they say, and they did evil. And they did evil. Like every single king is like, and they did evil. So along comes Josiah, and you see his introduction is he did what was pleasing unto God. He didn't turn away from his ancestors. And at eight years old, as he began to walk into it, his mother's guiding at 16, he began to seek after God. And by 26, he began a reform across the land, smashing every single idol that had ever been erected. He began to smash the idols and tear down everything that was going on around there. He even killed the priests that were worshiping those idols. Old Testament, it's not a horror flick, it's the truth. And what he did was he began this reform. He began to talk to the people. And, and suddenly he said, okay, now we've got to clean out the temple because they had taken the temple and they had turned it into a place of worshiping idols. God's church. God's building the people began to bring their idols into his temple and began to offer sacrifices at this temple. Josiah got wind of this and told his people, I need you to go in, I need you to get, start cleaning the temple, get the bleach, whatever you got to do, let's clean up the place. Listen to me. There are things in our lives that we continue to put before God. There are things that we have to begin to smash and maybe, you know, you don't know how to go about that because you're so accustomed to worshiping this idol. We've talked about the four major idols that we have been teaching for a little while, the whole idea of comfort and control and power and pleasure. Like these things for us, we have to be mindful of the fact, you know, some of us are still seeking approval on a regular basis. We're, we're seeking approval from people, people that don't even care about it. So, so I want you to know that because these idols that were erected, they had eyes but couldn't see, ears but couldn't hear, arms that didn't embrace you, and a mouth that didn't speak. And God is all that for us. He hears your cry. He speaks into our lives. He embraces us when we feel this discomfort of being alone. And we find ourselves being lonely. We say, God, where are you? And God reminds us, I I'm the one that's carrying you right now. 
And Josiah began this cleansing in the temple. All of a sudden, while they were cleaning the temple, pull out a drawer, and the word of God is there. Kings before that had taken the very word of God and had put it away. I talked to you about a map. I talked about instructions and directions, and you see here, the scriptures are very, very clear that he said, these are not just mere words. They are life. So Josiah, you know, they get a hold of it, and, he, and his priest goes to him and says, hey, you know, look what I found. Josiah reads it, and he's broken. Tears at his garment, throws himself on the ground, and begins to weep. And say, we haven't been doing what the word of God tells us to do. He tells the priest, he says, go, go talk to God about what we found, because Josiah knew his role as king. He wasn't a priest. We've seen that happen with Saul, and we saw what it cost him when he slipped out of being a king and became suddenly a priest and went to offer sacrifice to God, and it wasn't his role. Josiah knew his role. He understood that. So he sent the priest. He said, go talk to God. Bring back what he says to us. He went even further, and they sought out a prophetess that was in the land, a prophetess by the name of Huldah. And she tells, I want you to go back and I want you to let the people know that they're going to get punished. So, Come on, God, give me a break here, right? Because a lot of us look at it and you say, well, God is not a punishing God. God is not a punishing God. It's built into his word. He said, keep, you, keep my word. Don't let it depart from you. Look, look what the scripture says. In, in Joshua chapter um, 1, verse 8, it says this. Study this book of the law continually. Meditate on it, what? Day and night. So you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Because what? Only then will you succeed. In Proverbs 4.21, it says this. Listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words live. They really live. Body and soul, they're bursting with health. That's what the scriptures say. That's what he told them to do in Deuteronomy. And king after king after king after king. By the way, I want you to know that when they wanted a king, he gave them a king. They rejected him as king. And he gave them a king. And all these kings, surely every single king turned the people away from him. And Josiah took it upon himself to say, you know what? I'm going to do something different. And he does. He begins his reform, and now the prophet speaks to him. And what it says to him is a very powerful thing because it, it kind of reminds me of things. He goes on to say this. He says, ask him about the words written in the scroll that has been found. The Lord's anger will be poured out upon them. Then she said this, go to the man that has asked you to bring this to me and tell him this. I'm going to punish the people, but not while you're king. Because I've seen how you've humbled yourself. I've seen how sorrowful you are about what's happened. I see what you're doing regarding the idols that have been erected. He says, I see your heart. I see the desire you have to serve me. And he says, I'm going to punish them, but I'm going to wait till after you die. 
so that you don't have to experience it, Josiah, because I've seen your heart. It's important for us to begin to understand that these idols will lead us astray. They will cause us to do things we said we would never do, to pursue things that we said we would never go after, to hold on to things that we said we would get rid of. For some of us, it's a simple attitude adjustment, an opportunity to change the way I feel or think about a particular person, a particular group, a particular situation. You know, the Bible says that when I come to Christ, I'm seated in a heavenly place. It doesn't mean that I'm in heaven, I'm still on earth, but I'm given a new perspective on life. Something about faith propels me to trust in the one who is promised. See, the one who was promised is faithful. It's, it's part of his characteristic. You can't take it out. And I look at these scriptures and I read these things and I say, God, sometimes I want to, like, give God a counseling session. <laughs> like I'm saying, God, how do you keep loving people that are not going to love you back? It's not going to end good for you, God. Come on, lay down on the couch. Let me tell you, it's not going to end good. People that hate you, why do you keep loving them? And then he'll lay me on the couch and tell me, I loved you. I loved you. You hated me. I loved you. I say, but, 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 you know, we try to justify, explain, and rationalize. Yeah, but I didn't know about you and stuff like that. Yes, you did. You chose to pursue another God. You see, I wasn't sufficient because I was invisible. You didn't see me. So you chased it, her, that, this. Because you can see them and you can instantly be gratified. And because I'm too slow, you kind of didn't want to follow me. We're in a marathon, not a sprint. God doesn't act on your time. He acts on his time. He also knows your inclination and proclivity that when you get things, you forget him. So all that stuff you're asking for, it's on hold. <laughs> you know, it's like layaway. You got to pay. All the Spanish people said, hey, man, to layaway, right? <laughs> yeah. we, we, we did a lot of layaway. It was, it was good for us. What moved me so much about this scripture is having heard that last portion in which God was pleased with him. And I went through the scriptures and I looked at Men that please God. And I'm going to read a few really quick for you. One was Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, he said he was the only blameless, righteous man living on the earth. He consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. Now, what I want you to see from this is from going back to that text that says, what was it about Josiah that pleased God? Not only did he seek after God consistently, but he also decided that he was going to follow what the word said. And Job, of course, some of us know the story of Job, but there's a reason why Job is mentioned. He says, have you noticed my servant Job? By the way, he was talking to um, Satan, uh, when he visited, and he said, he is the finest man in all the earth, a man of complete integrity. He fears God 
and will have nothing to do with evil. He has maintained his integrity. Now, again, there are words here that you have to grasp. He consistently followed God's will and enjoyed a close relationship with him. How do you do that? If not being in his word and being in prayer and allocating a certain time of the day which you're spending time with God, being in daily office with God, constantly in communication with God, because he's everywhere. So if you turn around and say, hey, God, how you doing? He's there. Okay? You know, the person you think is following you is God. The person that's ahead of you is God. He's to the left and to the right of you, so you having constant contact with him is imperative to your life. So for you to put that word down and for you to say, I'm not going to look at that, I'm not going to use that, I'm not going to follow it, then you're going to get lost. And to go astray, it means this. When you go astray, it means you're going away from the correct path or direction. You enter into error or morally questionable behavior. That's when you've gone astray. People come to me and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going through this, I'm going through this. I say, well, are you reading daily? I say, I don't have time for that. Mm, strike one. Uh, are you praying, talking to God? You know, man, I don't got time. I got the kids, this, the that. Okay. Strike two. I'm a baseball kind of guy, so I stop right there. Okay, you got two strikes. Your life is what it is because you put away the map. You're lost. You've gone astray. Now, I got to tell you something. When you put this away, guess what information you start to go on? The world, your own. <laughs> and I don't know, but your information, there's something wrong with it. Seriously, there's something wrong with your information. All right? There's also something wrong with your picker. Right? You guys who want to pick people in your lives. You don't have an assessment tool to assess people. And the word of God tells me by their fruit they shall be known. We, we talk about the, the video and the audio matching. We talk about someone who's out there to promote themselves rather than to lead us to God. It's important for us to understand these things. And, and, and then Jesus, when, when the heavens opened up as he was baptized, he said, this is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased. What was it about Jesus? I know you're not Jesus. Yeah, I know that. What was it about Jesus that we want to be like? Jesus retreated with the Father on a regular basis. Before he got involved with people, he knew that people were going to be annoying. You just know, if you try to go to work without praying, you're in trouble. Try to go to work, try to ride the trains without praying. Right? What I love the most about the trains, and I frequently, I try not to ride them as often as I can. <laughs> I get over the path, which is the whole Oculus. Have you ever been there? It's like with cattle being hoarded. You don't have to worry about where you're walking. Just stay there. Everybody will take you where they want to go. The worst part is when someone stands at the door with their headphones. And you're trying to get in. And you say, excuse me, can they hear you? Now you push them and they say, what's your problem? What's your problem? <laughs> You're blocking the door. I literally have let a train go by so that I can get on an empty train <laughs> to avoid that. Try to navigate life without the book. Try to navigate life without spending time with God. Try to be a loving, caring husband without the word. 
try to be a loving, caring wife without the word. Because if we're not for Jesus, where would we be? We all have our issues. We all have our problems. We all have our concerns. We all want, 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 want. And when we don't get, 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 we get upset, set, set. So how do we do this life if we don't get into God's word? Josiah got it. His mom whispered in his ear regularly, day in and day out, as his father ravished the kingdom. His mother kept him away from that, protected him, hovered over him, because she knew that someday her son would be king, and when he was king, he would have to do something different than what his father had done. And he did. And God honored that. Reformed the whole land and began to worship God. Now, mind you, the next king did evil. Because when you're left to your own devices, you're going to reach to what you know and what we know because of our brokenness, because of Genesis, because of the fall of man is evil. Without Christ, we don't know how to do this. For some of us here who think we got it going on because we think we're good, heaven is not for good people. Heaven is for those people who know they need a savior. And they're saved and want to live a life that's pleasing unto God. But that's how you get to heaven, is this eternity that we talk about. Eternal life, everyone here is going to live in eternity. You've got to decide where you're going to live. He's promised you a mansion. You live in a one-room shack right now. Imagine that. Imagine that. A mansion for you. Streets paved with gold. Constant worshiping and singing and praising God. But how are you going to do this life without this book? And there's no excuse for you not being in it. There are enough apps. There's enough Bibles that we can find one that your own language. Somebody asked me about the King James Version the other day. I said, listen, stay away from it for now. Get yourself an NIV or an open Bible, okay, and just start to read. Yeah, but I don't understand. I didn't ask you to understand. I just asked you to read it. See, the Holy Spirit will do that work. But your input has to be something he can draw from. Josiah was so moved by what he heard when it was read to him that he threw himself on the ground. Have you ever read something that just burst up inside you? Have you ever read something that provoked you and had you look at yourself and say, oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me? And then you hear, Jesus. We have to be able to run to Jesus. Josiah didn't know Jesus, but he knew about God at the moment. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, in, in that moment where God allows us to be in a position where we can make a difference, sometimes we have to go after those idols that are erected around us and in our hearts and in our lives. We can't do that without the word of God. Noah was blameless. Why? Because in the midst of Babylon, in the midst of his chaos around them, in the midst of New York City, in the midst of Vegas, in the midst of Hollywood, you have to be able to stand out as a person that loves God. And the only way to do that is to be in God's word. Now, listen to me. This is the scary part sometimes because we can develop such a self-righteousness that we overlook the fact that there's grace in the word. And God met you where you are, and you have to be able to meet people where they are, too. 
Last week, I talked to you about how we enter into their world, understanding their world, so we can draw them to God. And that's important for us to do. But if you don't know God's word, then how do you wrestle with that? How do you find the answers to things? Everything that we currently have has been based on the scriptures. Everything. And it's so uh, informative for us to just dive into it because at the end of the day, what I want to be able to do is I want to be able to honor God. I can't honor God if I don't have something that is bigger than I am, been around longer than I am, more powerful than I am. The word of God will not return void if you speak it in your prayer life, if you speak it among each other. In fact, it actually, it actually says that you should meditate on it, what? Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. You go to sleep, don't watch The Walking Dead right before you go to sleep. Oh, I just cussed up in here. Walking Dead fans are coming after me. All right? You're going to go sleep to sleep with images of people following you around. And then you wonder why you can't sleep at night. Go to sleep with a song. Go to sleep with a song. Got Pandora, go to sleep with a song, go to sleep with a scripture, go to sleep with something that just allows you to rest. I'm telling you, it is the great, the best sleeping aid is start reading the Bible right before you go to bed. <laughs> right? You're all busy, you sit down with the Bible, you're like, oh, okay, bedtime. Read something, it'll put you to sweet sleep. When you wake up in the morning, let it be the first thing that you do. Not check Facebook. Oh, but I get scripture from Facebook. No, just, just turn over and allow the first thing you do is to begin to worship God. Because you got to ride the subway. The person that makes your coffee is going to put too much sugar. Right? The person who tosses your bagel may not toast it the way you want it. It's going to mess up your day. So what do we do in those moments? Grace. You got to give them grace. You walk in the subway. Grace. Crossing the street. Grace. Constantly in communication with God. When Josiah did this, it changed the lives of his people. It began to lead them in a particular way. For those 31 years that he reigned, there was a worship of God like no other. And you got to go back to the times of David, the times of Solomon. You know, right before Solomon took a weird right turn, okay? There was a worship that was meant to happen. When you come in here on Sunday, you bring the church into this room. This room is used for so many things. It's a multi-purpose room um, because of the fire we had upstairs. We, this is where we do everything. You bring the church into this room. What we do here Sunday morning should be an outflow of what you're already doing at home. Don't wait here for us to sing a song that you like and then get upset because the song that we sing, you don't like it. This is not Dick Clark. It's how old I am, right? Everybody went, Dick Clark. Who's Dick Clark? You don't get in to put in request. But you bring it. Your worship comes in here. Your, your worship, you should praise God. Every single person in here should have a sense of gratitude. You are here because of God. You're here because of the mercy of God, his compassion, and his love for you. 
So when I counsel God, I say, God, why you don't keep loving them? They don't love you. Some of them even hate you. God, why you keep doing? Because I am love, God says. I got no other way to be. I'm not like you, that you change from day to night. I'm love. I wake up in the morning, I put on my love suit. I go to bed at night, I put on my love pajamas. I lay down on my love pillow. I cover myself with my love blanket. I'm just paraphrasing. Don't think that God lays down. I'm just saying God is love. And because he is love, he's got nothing else to do with a miserable person like me but to love me. I was going to say you, but then it would look a little bit. Just want to keep the focus on myself. It's a good thing, right? But think about it. No, honestly, think about it for a moment. Why should God love you? Have you done anything good? Have you accomplished anything? Have you found a cure for cancer? Have you donated thousands and thousands of dollars to anything? Did you help the old lady across the street? Did you give up your, your seat in the subway? Did you buy somebody a cup of coffee? God doesn't love you because of those things. God loves you because he's love. That's it. And for those people in this room who are still trying to work to get good with God, that's why you're in trouble because that's not what the word says. God loves us. And because of that, he has left us his word. We don't have to try to figure it out. It's there for us. And he allows us to see that on a regular basis that it's there for us. So why would we try to do anything else with it? Amen? I'm going to read in closing because we're going to go into communion. It says this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. It'll be on a screen. It says, my dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. This is where it starts getting good here. We can be sure that we know him if we what? If we what? If we what? So when you go astray, obey. When you wind up involving yourself in some morally incomprehensible behavior, when you've strayed and you've gone off the beaten path that God has set for you, come back and obey what he says. Amen? He goes on to say, if anyone claims... I know God, but doesn't obey commandments, God's commandments. Guess what? That person is a, that person is a, and is not living in the truth. Suddenly there's a bad connection. You can't hear me now, right? I didn't put that there. That's God's word. That's why it's so important for you to be reading it. Because it'll tell you that you say, 
I love God. He is my father, but you don't obey his commandments. I love God. He is my father, but I got my own book. And I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And anyway, God knows what's going to happen, so why should I do anything? See where I'm going with this? Okay. And you're a liar. I'm a liar. When we say, I know God, but I don't obey what he asked me to do. He goes on to say, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as who? As Jesus did. Do you know how Jesus lived? No, you don't. But it's written in his word. So when you look at the word, you will see what Jesus did. And you say, yeah, but he was God incarnate. And yeah, but let me tell you something. He's already given you the power to say no to those things that you say yes to. He's already given you the means in which you can accomplish this. He's given you a place where you can grow, where you can be nurtured. But you got to begin to have this reformation of your life. You got to go home and smash those idols. You got to go home and deal with those things that reveal what's going on on the inside. Your approval has already happened. Because of Christ. When you come to Christ, you're already approved. You already got the A. You already have the victory. You just got to walk in it. You got to walk in it. You got to just walk in it and trust God and be in God's word and allow him to help you navigate the minefields of life. You ever step into something you didn't realize you were stepping into? Right? You know, like you're having a conversation with someone and all of a sudden you say something and they're like, oh, and I'm like, okay, back. <laughs> right? You just walked into something you didn't know. And rather than going head to head, someone has to take the higher road. And say, okay, I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything wrong. Something must be going on. I'm going to give myself a timeout. I'll be back. And then we, that's what the word of God has taught me. I love to fight. I love a good fight. Really do. But what does it accomplish? Nothing. I'm going to ask the team to come forward. Glory be to God. We're going to transition into our communion. I'm going to read scripture referring to communion, but I want to give you some instructions about communion. This talk allowed us to look what it, get a chance, a glimpse to see about what it looks like to please God. And maybe you're sitting here today and you heard something, you say, man, I'm not consistently following God. I'm not always in his word. I'm not always on my knees. And I'm not always doing the right thing. To that, I say, welcome. But our communion comes along once a month, and it gives us an opportunity for us to examine ourselves. 
to look at ourselves and say, man, <coughs> I'm not really doing the right thing here. I'm struggling in certain areas of my life, and I got to begin to to wonder that maybe I, I, just, I just need to get closer to God. I need to, I need to seek God, like what we just read. I can't continue to go around saying I love God and not obey him. I just can't. It, it, it's, it's an oxymoron. You just cannot say I love God and then live the way you want to and continue to use the excuse that you're not perfect and that you're in a process. Communion allows us to come clean, to take part in a tradition that was set in stone a long time ago, and we continue to do it until he returns because he is coming back. And he's not looking for a perfect people, but a redeemed people, a, a people who have surrendered and yielded their lives unto the King of kings and Lord of lords. So as they sing this song, I want you to begin to examine yourself and begin to speak to God and repent so that you can dine at this table today. And if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus Christ, this is the moment where you say yes to him. You've been saying no too long. You don't know how much more time you have. Life is but a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. If you're in this room, you're here for a reason. God wants to have a relationship with you. He is knocking on your heart. He is inviting you into a relationship. So do not leave this room without Christ.